Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mastering the Attention Economy podcast. Today's guest is Josh Fector. Josh is a newsletter creator, writer, marketing consultant, active social media user, and he creates and sells information products. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us, and really excited to jump into things today with Josh. Um, if you enjoy this video, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Okay, Josh, thanks again so much for, for joining us today. Um, you know, first off, big fan of your uh, newsletter, um, the Facebook group that you run. You know, I think what you've done a really good job of is, you know, fostering a community. You know, can you talk about uh, why community building is important uh, when you're, you know, running a newsletter, when you're, you know, doing social media? Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, uh, Audience growth and community are closely linked and closely connected. I don't really think that you can do one without without the other. Um, and for me, it's interesting. Like one of the ideas that I think has really influenced me is uh, Seth Godin in his in a his book called Tribes, which is not specifically about audience growth or specifically about community building. But I actually think it's the book I recommend the most to people that are interested in doing either. Uh, and sort of one of the premises of the book is that essentially, like, I think when most people think about audience growth or community building, they think about trying to attract people to them. That they put it, they create a new thing, they put a stake in the ground, and they're trying to draw people into their world. And one of the sort of core ideas of tribes is that your audience or your community is already out there and that it's your job to create an opportunity for them to connect to each other. It's not about drawing them to you. And that when you create that opportunity, essentially raise your hand and say, Hey, over here, people that are like us, like we're gathering over here and I can connect you to other people that are like you, that what happens by default is you wind up putting yourself at the center of that pre-existing community and you essentially build an audience through that. So for the, he has a great line in the book that I quote all the time. It's something like uh, the Beatles didn't invent teenagers. They just offered to lead them. Right. That that audience, that all the things that that group of people cared about and was interested in and, and culturally wanted to push towards that was all there. And the Beatles come along and yes, they guess you have to be good and they make amazing music and all of that. Like, you're not, you know, you can't, that that's obviously a huge part of it, but they didn't have to sort of invent that. They just had to give a thing for people to rally around. And, and you see that a lot in the, the most sort of, not just in terms of size, but, but big, big fan bases, but also sort of loyal, passionate, dedicated fan bases it's about much more than just sort of the talent of the individual. So Lady Gaga's fans, the you know Little Monsters and all of that, you know, that's about a lot more than just Lady Gaga's music. And she didn't invent those. Those people were there looking to connect with each other and she created an opportunity for them to sort of connect around her. And again, it's as much about them connecting to each other as it is them connecting to her. Howard Stern's another example. Howard Stern's fans, yes, Howard Stern is an incredible broadcaster and, and interviewer and talent and all of that, but that fan base is as much about connecting to each other and shared sort of culture and view of the world as it is Howard. Howard just gave them a place to, to gather around. So 
when you, you know, I think about audience growth like that. And that's why I say it is, it is inherently linked to community and it, it works both ways. Like you create opportunities for similar people or tribes of people to gather around you. And you can also go to those try go to existing tribes. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to building an audience, especially when they're starting out, they have this attitude of like, how do I get more people to, how do I get people to discover me? How do I get more people to come to me? And it's like, why don't you just find where your people are already gathering and go there? Like go become a part of that community and you will then grow, you know, your, your audience will grow as a result of that. So you referenced the Facebook groups. I have a Facebook group called newsletter creators. Um, it's a perfect, it's a perfect example. So I, uh, I'm passionate about newsletters. I also do some consulting with newsletters. You know, that is sort of quote unquote my tribe. So I was looking around going like, where are these people? And there were a couple places. There was one other Facebook group, but that was more dedicated towards people doing newsletters for like newspapers and professional. They weren't really sort of, they were less focused on sort of independent newsletter creators. And I didn't see a real gathering place. So I started the Facebook group specifically to be a place where, hey, people like this are gathering over here. You know, the Facebook group is not the Josh Spector Facebook group. It wasn't about attracting them to me. It was about creating a space where they could connect to each other. And now it's at like 2,100 or 2,200 members. It's a fantastic group. We have creators from all over the world, people who have been doing it, literally publishing email newsletters for like 30 plus years, people who are just getting ready to publish their first issue, people with millions of subscribers, people with no subscribers. Um, but it, as a result, this community has formed. And because I created the space, I'm very much at the center of it. And my it has built my audience and business as a result, even though I didn't set out to make it about me. Had I done that, it wouldn't have, it might've worked a little, but it wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah, I really appreciate that answer. I think that was you know a great explanation. You know, one of the things I guess, you know, that you touched on is the concept of tribalism. I feel like, you know, I don't know if it's because of coronavirus or because, you know, Substack is becoming more popular than ever. And I know Medium launched a newsletter. It seems like everyone's launching a newsletter today. I saw Chris Bosch launched a newsletter. You know, when you talk about, you know, finding uh, that tribe, you know, what does it take to like be successful in, in finding that group? And, you know, how do you define success within that? Like how long does it take? Um, you know, what, what, what should people be thinking about when they're, when they're trying to achieve that success with, with newsletters specifically? Or? Yeah. With new, with newsletters okay. specifically. So I think there's, there's two different, there's two different pieces of this, right? So there is, uh, most people obsess over the, how many subscribers do I have? How much money am I making? Like those sort of, you know, those sort of, metrics. And that can, that can be a sign of success or value, depending on what your goals are. A lot of this starts with the goals, but I think the, the separate side of that is the success you get just from creating the newsletter, even if nobody reads it or one or two people read it. So, and that there's a lot of value there that I think a lot of people miss because you really only discover it when you do it for a while. Um, so when they start, they're, they're just thinking about subscribers or the impact it's going to have on their business or whatever, um, or their brand or whatever they're doing. And 
you know, I think there is as much, maybe even more value in the process of creating it because if you do it the right way and do it consistently for a long enough period of time, the amount of stuff that you will learn um, is off the charts. And, and so like, I'll give you an example of, you know, of my newsletter, which I've now been doing for, this was, I think the 210th issue this past week. So uh, it goes out every Sunday. So it's been about four years or whatever, whatever that is. Um, I've got about 25,000 subscribers. It has gotten me consulting clients. It's, you know, it has worked. So from that, it is successful in the sort of traditional, it has built an audience. I have monetized it a bit, like that stuff's great. Um, but I think probably what's been even more valuable is in my newsletter each week, I create and curate ideas to help people, uh, better produce, promote and profit from their creations. So each issue originally it was 10 ideas a week. Now it's five ideas a week, but between five and 10 over the course of four years. So to do that, let's just say hypothetically, I had done the same thing and nobody subscribed, but I kept doing it. I have created and consumed over 2000 ideas in the newsletter about how to better produce, promote and profit your, from your creations. That's just what I've actually published. So that's maybe only 50% of the things that I've consumed and created and whatever in order to sort of get to that point. So when you start to think about it like that, separate from everything else, that is a massive competitive advantage to let's say a consultant or someone who works in this space or someone who is a creator or someone who has not done that level of learning research and for every one of those ideas let's set aside the ones that i write or create myself just the the links and stuff that i curate for every one of those i've had to find it i've read it or watched it or listened to it i've had to summarize it which is another version of sort of internalizing it i've had to then write it up and and like share it i've had people respond to it I, you know, so the, the depth, it's funny, this is something that I certainly did not realize when I started out doing this. Uh, I have, I don't know what the exact term is, but I have almost instant recall of every idea that has been in the newsletter. Unlike books I've read, articles I've read that have not been in the newsletter. And I think it's because for each one of them, I essentially had to consume it multiple times and then express it. And so it sticks. So that and that's where i go back to sort of a massive value and massive advantage of 2000 plus really smart ideas that i have consumed and thought about and spit out at people that even if i had zero subscribers it gives me a huge advantage in business gives me a huge advantage in my own creations you know it, it's funny i'll be in conversations with people and they'll be like where did that idea come from or how do you know that and sometimes I even have to be like, well, how do I know that? Oh, I put that in a newsletter two and a half years ago, right? And so I think when you're starting out to, and this isn't just true for newsletters, but I think it's particularly true for newsletters, that when you're, uh, I focus on that value 
which again, you only discover and see if you do it consistently for a long period of time, as opposed to obsessing over how many subscribers do I have, how many people opened it, how many people clicked it, because it's very easy to get discouraged, because this is definitely a long-term game. It's very easy to get discouraged and go, oh, I put out six issues and it's not growing or a couple people unsubscribed or, but if you wrap your head around that the value and the reason you're doing this is not solely those sort of uh, outcomes, that the value is also for yourself. Now, again, this also has to do with what kind of newsletter you're making. You know, you have to create a newsletter that is going to generate that value for you. If I did 200 issues of a newsletter that was just telling people to buy my product, that's not the same. Um, you know, I'm not getting value out of it, but so I know that was a winding road. But that's, <laughs> that's sort of answer your question. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You know, I think one of the things you talked about in that was, you know, why start a newsletter, how to add value in a newsletter. But can you talk about maybe why not to start a newsletter? You know, like w like when someone's thinking about, oh, you know, everyone's launching a stop stack. I got to do a sub stack. You know, what are the reasons yeah. like? Oh, you shouldn't start a Substack. You shouldn't start, you know, a newsletter on Mailchimp or on Medium. Yeah. You know, what one of the reasons not to do that? So, I don't think you should start it if it's not something you're willing to stick with for a while. Let me let me reframe that. Uh, if you want to be quote unquote successful with it, it is going to take time. It is not an it is not an overnight thing. So it doesn't mean, I don't want to discourage people from starting it because I do think you start and you build some momentum, but when you start it, you should be aware, you should have realistic expectations that is not, oh, I'm just going to throw up this newsletter and a month from now, I'm going to be getting rich because everyone's going to pay for my newsletter and I'm going to have a hundred thousand subscribers and like, that is not going to happen. So you should go into it with sort of a long-term mindset. Um, I also think that if you're not creating a newsletter that is designed to provide value to a specific audience, it's probably not going to work. Uh, people that are just doing newsletters because they don't really want to do a newsletter. They want to just promote their stuff. Nobody really cares. Um, you know, people that are just doing newsletters because it's the hot new thing and it seems like I should do a newsletter, but they don't really want to probably not going to work because it is it's it's a lot of work like it's it's hard and it takes time and it you know um but so i think those are those are a couple reasons definitely not to do it uh i think you have to you have to structure it in a way consistency is also super important uh a lot of times i'll see people start a newsletter and they're like oh i'm just going to send it whenever i feel like it and maybe I'll send two this week and not send it again for another month. That is not going to work. Uh, you need to set expectations and stick to them. So if you can, if you think you can only, and it's better to sort of, it's better to underpromise than overpromise. Um, if you think you can only do it once a month, then do it once a month. Uh, don't say you're going to do it daily and then, it's hard to do it daily. I actually think that the ideal frequency is once a week. Um, I think that at a minimum you should do every other week or twice a month. If you do less frequent than twice a month, you're probably not doing it enough 
for it to really catch on. Because part of what you're trying to do is you're trying to become a habit for your audience. So you also want to publish always at the same day and time. This is another mistake people make is they're like, one week it comes out Monday morning, the next week it comes out Wednesday night. Like you want, you want to, you want to pick a format and be consistent with it. Um, because the whole thing is you need to become a habit. So for me, I have always published Sunday mornings, uh, goes out at Sunday morning, 6am Los Angeles time. Uh, and it's interesting because I know it has become a habit for people because there was one time where something got screwed up and it didn't go out. It was for some reason it was scheduled to go at like noon instead of 6am. And when I woke up, I had gotten a bunch of emails from people going, where's the newsletter? Like they, and that's a sign you want to talk about success signals. Like that was a sign that not only is it obviously great that they miss it, but it speaks to the habit. If I wasn't publishing every Sunday morning at 6am, they would not realize that it was late or that they had missed it. And I had emails from people that are, you know, and I've also had emails from people that are like, Oh, my Sunday morning ritual is I have my cup of coffee and I read your newsletter. And that you really, really want to try to become a habit for people because otherwise you're just another email in their inbox and maybe they open it and maybe they don't. And, you know, in order to become a habit, you have to be consistent and you have to have the same frequency. You have to be there at the same time. Uh, if you don't think you can do that or don't want to do that, it's probably not a good idea to start one simply because it's, it's not gonna, it's just ultimately not going to work. Um, but I think the bigger thing, the bigger sort of common mistake is you got to know who it's for and you have to know how your plan, how your newsletter is going to provide value to those people. Because if it's just about you, if the value isn't clear, if it's not real, if it's all over the map, you know, this is another mistake people make like, oh, I'm going to send you a bunch of interesting links or, you know, here's cool stuff that I found. And that's fine, but it's going to be really hard to grow because, you know, if one thing's an article about gardening and the next is about politics and the next is about sports, people aren't subscribing so that they can get one out of eight things that actually interest them. And when you're trying to promote it to people, they don't, they don't know. No one's looking for, you know, if they don't know you, they're not looking for the random random cool links that some guy I don't know found, right? Versus if you have a newsletter about gardening or whatever, someone who's into gardening is like, oh, this is for me. Um, and I see a lot of that. Like I, I, I see a lot of people who, it's also a problem with how people use social media, but like you see a lot of people that are like, oh, I'll start a newsletter and I'll just share whatever interesting stuff I find. And some of the people that are close to them may like it. And by the way, like that newsletter could be amazing, right? I also see this with essays, right? People that are, you know, I just going to write a, my newsletter is just sort of an essay about what happened in my life this week. And they might be amazing writers and it might be awesome. And there might be a small group of people who read it and fall in love with it. But ultimately... If, it do, if there's not a clear way in which it provides value to a clear group of people, you're going to struggle for it to really catch on. 
That makes a ton, makes, ton of a sense, ton of, really ton of sense. Really get it. Really get it. Um, can you talk um, lastly you talk about, about um, your new project? Your new project. This is how I do it. This is how I do it. And also, you know, maybe touch on after that, like where can people find you? Um, you know, maybe talk a bit about your consulting and, and where, you know, where can they find your newsletter and stuff? Sure. So uh, this is sort of an example of kind of what I'm talking about. I thought having sort of a clear value for a clear group of people. So my main newsletter, my free newsletter is called the one I've been doing for four years. It's called For the Interested. Uh, you can check it out at fortheinterested.com slash subscribe. Um, that one, again, is basically geared towards creators, loosely defined creators. So it could be, you know, uh, it's entrepreneurs, it's people that are sort of making things uh, of a various nature. And, and again, it's designed to, it, it's usually one, uh, one post that I, one blog post that I've written that week, and then four curated links to stuff that helps people better produce, promote and profit from their creations. So I built a large audience there of those kinds of people that are trying to figure out how to improve their, improve their creations and monetize them and get more people to see them grow their audience. And one of the things that I've realized over time is I've done a lot of those things in a lot of, you know, I've built audiences. I work as an independent consultant and sort of have built that business. I create, I do all three. Like I've gotten pretty good at producing things. I've gotten pretty good at promoting them. I've gotten pretty good at monetizing them and profiting from them. And I, what I realized was there is a, well, for the interested is bringing constantly bringing sort of new people into my world. And some of them, some of them ultimately hire me as a consultant, but I realized that there's a lot of them that are interested in, a, in, doing the kinds of things that I do and accomplishing the kinds of things that I've accomplished. And they really just want to know how I've done it. Like it's one thing to sort of give general advice, but it's another to sort of really say, look, this is exactly what I do in both big ways. Like this is how I get clients and in small ways, right? This is how I write a tweet. You know, this is, this is how I write a blog headline. Um, so this is how I work with clients, right? This is how I do a first client meeting. This is how I do proposals, like all over all over the map. So I came up with this idea, which is literally just launched. The first email is going to go up, uh, I'm going to go out this Sunday. Uh, and it's called This Is How I Do It. Um, and you can find it at my personal website, joshspector.com. Uh, in the navigation, there's just a thing that says, this is how I do it. Uh, and it's going to be a paid newsletter. Uh, each week I will send an email with sort of one in-depth kind of deep dive on this is how I do something that I do. You know, so I think the first, I'm, I'm actually drafting a lot of them now, but like, I think the first couple are going to be, uh, I think the first one is going to be, this is how I communicate ideas and share feedback via email. So it's a deep dive of like when I'm working with clients and stuff and like this is literally how I craft the emails because there's a lot of, I'm very strategic in what I do. So it's basically, here's how I do it. There are other ways to do it, but this has worked for me and here's like sort of a helpful, you know, you can kind of follow my model in terms of like how to write emails when you're sharing ideas with people or giving feedback on stuff. The second one is going to be, uh, ironically, because we're talking about newsletters, it's going to be, this is how I choose what to put in my newsletter. Um, and I'm going to go through my process of like these. And again, I think people will be, 
people will be surprised to sort of find out how strategic and thought out I am about what goes in it and why and what I'm trying to do and how I provide value to the audience and all that. So that is, I don't expect this newsletter. I'm not selling to people who don't know me because they don't care who like, oh, I don't how I don't care how you do it. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know who you are. But I have a, a rather large audience who does know and trust and is interested. So this product is very specifically, if you think about it as like a, a ladder, right? So people come into sort of my free newsletter, they get to know me, they read my stuff, they see the value, they you know become interested in, in how I do it. And then this is a product that's sort of above, above that. Um, and so, you know, so initially, you know, I have the advantage of an audience that I built over four years. And so a bunch of them have, have signed up and are signing up to, to do it. And we'll, we'll go from there. Um, but that's what this is how I do it is. Uh, the early feedback, while I haven't sent the emails yet, the early feedback I've got from the concept has been really positive. Um, I think also people like, and this is something I try to do with all my stuff is uh, I try to share super actionable advice. Like not theoretical, not sort of generic, like, you know, I try like, and this, this newsletter and particularly this product is even, is that on steroids? Like it's literally like, this is this again, like the title, this is how I do it. Right. This is exactly what it is. And, uh, and you can adapt it for your, your own needs, or at least that's the hope. Um, that's, this is how I do it. Uh, I mentioned for the interested, uh, my consulting, people can also reach out to me. They can email josh at joshspector.com. Um, what else? Twitter. I'm super active on Twitter, uh, at jspector. Um, did you ask something? No, else? no, that was it. That was perfect. And, and for everyone listening, um, I'll make sure to drop the, the links in the, in the description section. Um, so you guys can follow him, but Josh really appreciate you joining me. Thanks so much. And yeah, no problem. Thank you. if you enjoyed this video, you know, make sure you like, and subscribe and, you know, comment in the YouTube section. One thing you learned really appreciate it and looking forward to everyone joining me for the next one.